0: Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who have embraced a global role and reap the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world about what it's like to work globally. If you love adventure and thrive on taking risks and operating outside your comfort zone, join us as we explore the ins and outs of pursuing an international career. My name is Stacey Nevodomsky-Burdan, and I'll be your host. Our first season dives into what it's like working globally through the pandemic and the outlook for global careers in a post-COVID-19 world. Imagine being in the business of insuring against a pandemic. From canceled sporting events and global conferences to shuttered businesses due to lockdown, the devil is certainly in the details of the various policies to protect against financial loss. So it's a pretty busy time for my next guest. Tracy Gibbons is Senior Vice President at Third Point Re, headquartered in Bermuda. She has more than 40 years of experience in insurance, reinsurance, and captive insurance management, including insuring pandemics. And she was recently named a global woman to watch by Business Insurance Magazine. In our conversation, Tracy takes us into her world of dealing with the effects of the pandemic on all sorts of organizations. She explains the many avenues students can take if interested in pursuing a career in her industry, emphasizes the speed at which the business world is moving, and the need for flexibility and diversity of thought to be able to embrace the changes ahead. Join us as she shares personal stories and anecdotes that bring her global story to life in a very colorful way. Welcome, Tracy, it's a pleasure to have you, and I am so excited to talk with you. For starters, I'd like you to explain what it is you do. What is the reinsurance industry?
1: Well, Stacey, you're probably very familiar with insurance. Oh, I work in reinsurance. Reinsurance companies insure insurance companies who want to pass on exposures that cumulatively might be more than they're financially able to retain by selling a company reinsurance cover what we're offering them is a contract a piece of paper that promises to respond in a particular way given a set of prescribed circumstances there's a huge amount of trust in this relationship between the two parties and the premiums and insured values are are often very high often tens of millions of dollars the insurance companies use a reinsurance broker who will be the intermediary So my time is split between spending time talking to this reinsurance broker and the original insurance company. In addition to what I do internally, we have administrative staff who handle putting the details of the risk into our computer systems. We have actuaries who help me calculate the probability of a loss happening. We have finance people who manage the investments of the premium claims professionals for when, when a loss happens, and they deal with any claims as, as well as, you know, in addition we have the usual administrative staff that, that all officers have. Um, my team, whilst we work in many different areas of cover, where I specialize is terrorism and pandemic exposures. These exposures can cover buildings, they can cover loss of income, people getting killed or injured, or even medical costs.
0: That's fascinating. And, you know, to be honest, it's a field that I had not heard much about, actually never heard about until we met. And I did a little research. Um, It's pretty interesting stuff. And I know that you're passionate about what you do. And your job really seems cool. What is it that you enjoy the most about it?
1: There are lots of things I love about my job. Um, I work with a great team of people who come from many different backgrounds Um, Whilst everything I do is is reinsurance, every day presents me with new challenges. After nearly 40 years in the business, I still seem to learn something new almost every day. Pre-COVID, I I was travelling a lot to the major hubs where insurance is written and to conferences. And and whilst business travel has its downsides, um, now that, that we're empty nesters, I can take a little extra time to properly explore some of the places that I visit.
0: Yes, that is one of the benefits of a global job, isn't it? Tacking on a few days here and there to explore a city, a museum, great restaurants. You know, although so many of us are grounded, I'm hoping that changes soon because I can't wait to get back out there. Like you, I'm sure. But even though you're working virtually, you are still working globally and cross-culturally, right? On any given day, your work can take you to most any country. What's it like to work, say, in the UK one day and then Singapore the next? How do you prepare?
1: Yeah, it can be difficult. Um, You know, everybody seems to be working from home right now. And virtual meetings have, have really taken off. And we're getting far more face-to-face time with clients and brokers. You know, To a certain extent, I think that uh, Zoom or BlueJeans um, or any of those uh, interface programs seem to have replaced the, the regular telephone call to a certain extent. Uh, one of the big problems, of course, is the different time zones that we operate across. So I may have to be up very early or very late to accommodate different countries' working days our business is it's largely conducted in English and that can sometimes fool you into thinking that there aren't cultural differences with the people that you're talking to. And, and we have to remember that and respect the, the different cultures. It, it's also very important to remember that words can mean very, very different things in different cultures even with the same language so you know i'm from the uk originally as you mentioned and no one would blink an eye in the uk if you asked a co-worker if they had a rubber you could use or or whether you could bum a fag from them Um, but in in other languages that can mean something really quite different Um, you also have to be respectful of, of dress codes in different places For example, you know, if you're working with a Muslim client, um, you don't wear an outfit that shows your shoulder or your cleavage, for example.
0: Well, those are great examples and, you know, just such everyday actions to consider and think about. I'm glad you highlighted the role of English language because you're right. Sometimes things can go really wrong when assumptions are made. Tracy, you've been at this for a while. So can you share with us, you know, our listeners, what skills have helped you to be more successful when working cross-culturally?
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, some of the best relationships that, that I have and have had um, in the business that I do are built outside of the traditional meetings. Um, I'm quite a social person. As, as you mentioned, I love food, um, and I'm willing to try pretty much anything which can be useful in, in certain countries. Uh, the biggest difficulty I've had um, food-wise has actually been in the US. You know, If you go to Texas and the client wants to take you out to a nice restaurant, chances are it'll be a steakhouse. Um, you know, I'm not a big med, red meat eater at the best of times, but, you know, when you get the menu and the smallest steak is 14 ounces, that gets me to start sweating just even thinking about it. Um, but I learned a very useful trick um, in these circumstances, and that is to ask for the kids' menu uh, and discreetly ask for the kids' six-ounce steak. <laughs> um, but when I'm travelling in, in overseas, you know, outside of the U.S., I I try and read up on the different cultures and also the local history and the politics because it can be quite easy to insult someone if you don't understand the cultural backgrounds. Um, I'm also fairly open-minded. I go to a conference in Germany every year where a group of women go to the spa. And in these spas, clothes are not really an option So, you know, of course you could choose not to go, but as I previously mentioned, you'd be passing up an opportunity to get to know people better. Um, you, You also need to be a good listener. And, you know, I think it's really useful to remember important facts about people, People really appreciate it when you ask after something or, or remind them of something that you talked about before. So, you know, maybe that maybe their son was just heading off to university the last time you spoke to them or they have a dog they're particularly fond of. So I think it, it's, it's really good to remember these things about people and, and they, they relate to you as a human being then as opposed to somebody who can just provide some capacity in order to get a job done.
0: You have just articulated one of my favorite things, Tracy, building relationships with people, networking, getting to know them. You know, it's such a beautiful benefit, and it makes a real difference, as you've noted. I suspect it's probably one of the reasons you're so successful in your job, right? Relationship building. But these days, those informal encounters outside of our formal work meetings, they're not happening at all. It's one of the many casualties of this pandemic. So you've mentioned that COVID-19, pandemics, it's one of your specialties. Now that it's upon us, what does it mean for your industry? Um,
1: The business side of things, in terms of the risks that we take on, means that we have exposures that can result in claims and those have to be managed and can ultimately affect our financials. But one of the areas that uh, I re-insure is pandemic. Um, So we're providing coverage to reinsurance companies for the effects of pandemic on their insurance books. And and we've had to deal with claims and potential claims from several areas. The largest exposure to the insurance industry, and, and therefore the reinsurance industry at the moment, has come from an area we call contingency. And contingency covers all kinds of different things. But one of the big things that it covers is event cancellation. So that could be a major sporting event, it could be an exhibition, it could be a a musical tour. Um, And if you think about all the things that have been canceled, I've stopped counting the amount of music tours and festivals that have been canceled and trade shows. All of those are insured in the market for for numerous things. They will insure the the ticket sales, but the ticket sales are relatively small. The the big um, dollar item there are the TV rights. And so the TV companies themselves buy insurance for the fact that something doesn't go ahead, be it due to a hurricane hitting something or um, a fire burning down a stadium or a terrorist attack. Um, then there's also uh, business interruption for businesses that are unable to open their doors um, due due to the lockdown. Uh, And that one is interesting because not, not a large number of companies bought insurance for that. You know, people buy insurance for their building getting damaged, but to have a loss from something where your building isn't damaged, and you just shut the doors and the, the footfall going past your business disappeared, um, not many people bought that, that coverage. Um, but now, um, with hindsight, people are saying, you know, for the next event, I want to
0: have something. Wow, that's really fascinating. And since so many organizations were not prepared, they must see a very different horizon ahead of them and one that I imagine keeps you busy preparing for the future now. So your industry must be growing, right?
1: It is. um, You know, our business is cyclical. So uh, we go through what we call hard and soft markets. Soft markets are where coverage is getting broader, there's excess capacity, prices drop, and hard markets, the opposite happens um, people are less willing to provide the coverage, terms and conditions on the contracts get tighter and the, the price goes up. And what happens as a result of the price going up is that you get more people who are interested in writing the business. Uh, this is how the cycle happens. They come in, they, they write, there's more excess capacity, and then the price drops. It's it's simple supply and demand. Um, and then there are companies that, um, that don't survive um, things. If you think back to 9-11 uh, and the horrible losses that happened there in terms of property and loss of life, um, there were several companies that did not survive in their current form, either became a much smaller company or went out of business. Um, and again, that led to a hardening market
0: happening. Well, thanks for explaining that, because nothing is quite as simple as it seems, right? You know, there's so much more of a tangled web behind our quick assumptions. So this makes me think of students. You know, they've had so many ups and downs over the past year. My heart really goes out to them. What skills do you think they need to enter the global workforce now, you know, and in the coming months, post-pandemic? I think most
1: industries and big businesses um, work on a global basis to some extent, you know, and there are certain skills that have always and will continue to be important across all areas, um, whether you're global or not. But, you know, have the ability to know your audience, including the cultural and political background or, or even educational differences. Um, Recognise your own personal abilities and know your limitations. Be honest with others and, and with yourself. I think it's really important to bring your passion to work. Um, and if you can't do that, you know, think about whether you're in the right job or not. Um, I love doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm hoping that's coming across in the way I'm talking about it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I fell into doing what I'm doing. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a plan. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up, but I'm having fun right now and enjoying it. Um, recognize that there isn't always one right answer or, or a right way of doing something. You know, be inventive, think outside the box. Um, be kind to yourself and forgive others um, if they make mistakes as well. Um, you are going to make mistakes. If you're pushing yourself, you're probably going to make many of them. But, you know, that you, we all learn from that. Uh, it sounds a bit cliched, but, but be a team player. Um, in the long run, it's better for everybody. Um, never stop learning. Uh, I, as I mentioned, you know, I, I still learn new things every day. Um, and our world is developing faster and faster with each year. And, and the way we conduct global business is going to change more and more quickly as time passes. So, so be flexible and, and embrace change because that's where the opportunities are going to be.
0: That's such wonderful, practical, terrific advice, Tracy. Everything you just described are life skills, aren't they? They're not classes to take or certificates to get. And people can work on them, right? Develop them to prepare for this rapidly changing global workplace across all fields and industries. Great stuff. Great stuff. I see that your background is in economics. Is that the best area of study for the reinsurance industry?
1: They are. I mean, I I think, you know... (laughs) Any degree or any course of study that you take can have some, um, some relevance to insurance or reinsurance, depending on what area you want to get into. So yeah I'd had more of a business type degree. Uh, my number two in the office actually studied nutrition, so you know that didn 't really hold her back. Um, if you wanted to become, for example, an environmental liability underwriter, then maybe an engineering or environmental science degree might be more appropriate. If you wanted to write political risk coverage, then maybe a degree in politics might be be more appropriate. Um, Some people go the actuarial route and they study mathematics and actuarial science and uh, come into underwriting that way. So there are many different ways of getting in. Uh, I hire graduate trainees um, and generally what I'm looking for is not the background of the person in terms of what their degree is, what qualifications they have, I'm looking for somebody that has a certain way of thinking, uh, a critical way of thinking, and a a way of demonstrating that that they have that ability. Uh, And to me, that's far more important. Um, You are starting to see now, um, scholarships are available to study um, degrees for people to come and intern into companies after they have graduated. And a lot of companies now are actually moving away from requiring um, insurance, what would seem to be insurance-based degrees. So, you know, they're not necessarily looking for somebody who's studying economics or business or insurance um, or accounting or actuarial studies. They're looking for people that are studying something a little bit more different to that because they think that having a diverse way of thinking about problems helps everybody.
0: Absolutely. And I love it. It's great of course having a degree demonstrates that you've reached a higher level of knowledge but it's really just the ticket to entry right diversity of thought what we're talking about it's so important so bravo to you and your industry for recognizing that in in the people that you hire tell me is there a piece of advice you wish you had been given at some point during your career
1: I think I wish somebody had told me to be a bit more patient in, in the early years and to focus on getting experience. We all want to get on really quickly in advance you know, and be running the company in five years. Um, don't, don't focus on the money in the early stage of your career. If you focus on the experience, the money will come later.
0: Wow, that's great advice. You know, And your mentees are very lucky indeed. When it comes to a global career, most people assume that it's just so glamorous and exciting, jetting to Paris one week, Tokyo the next. But, you know, it's not all kittens and rainbows, is it?
1: One thing I would say, first of all, is, you know, I think I said one of the things I love about my job is the travel. Um, it's it's the one thing I hate about my job, too. So it swings in roundabouts, you know, everybody um, who hasn't experienced it thinks that, you know, traveling all over the world is is really glamorous, um, but it's actually really hard work. Um, when you when you're traveling, oftentimes it's not like a normal work day where you're working nine to five. You'll have breakfast, lunch, and dinner meetings around your your work day as well. You have very little time to yourself. Um, it's hard to fit out workouts in there, um, and and you miss your family, um, so it can be difficult. And, you know, oftentimes you're not staying in particularly glamorous places. You know, you can wake up in an airport Marriott and and believe me, they all look the same. They all have the same decor on the walls and you can sometimes forget where you are. You have to pause for a minute and think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Dallas today. Um, so it's it's not all glamour, um, although, you know, on, on balance, I, you know, I enjoy it.
0: Yes, you know, I've had that experience myself, waking up and not knowing where I was right away. It took me about five minutes to realize that I was in Tokyo, and it was one of the moments for me that I said, wait, I've got to start scaling back my travel because this is having really um, detrimental effects on me. So I ultimately shifted careers. But there are um, just as many, if not more, great experiences, right? Do you have a favorite story to share?
1: I have a a humorous story, um, which I hope you'll like which is to do with what we were talking about earlier on understanding culture um, and how important it is to think about um, things outside your culture and your own experiences so a few years ago I was working with an insurance agency and and they were brand new and this was in Europe and uh, they needed a name and at the time there was a trend for Roman or Greek names. They were very popular. I think they thought they sounded as though they'd been around for a long, long time. So they gave the impression that the business was not new. Um, And they decided to call themselves Vespasian. Now, Vespasian was a Roman emperor who was the first one who truly conquered Britain. There were other emperors who had landed before, but he he conquered and he established um, fortresses there and he started building roads. He he was also famous back in Rome because he invented a, a version of an indoor toilet. So, he um, figured out how to irrigate a house so that it would remove anything that was in the house. So this company called themselves Vespasian because of the strength of this emperor. And they put the name Vespasian on their business cards. And the very first trip we had to promote this company and, and their abilities was to Paris. And we went with the CEO of Vespasian. He'd got his brand new business cards, And he proudly presented this card to to the broker at our very first meeting in Paris. Uh, And there was stunned silence from from the broker. And then he he looked down at the card again and he looked at us and then he started laughing and he said, you cannot be serious. And it turns out that because of this wonderful invention that Vespasian had made with the essentially flushing toilet the French slang word for a public urinal is a Vespasion. <laughs> so <laughs> so this, this business card basically was like, it was like you know, the name of the company was public urinal. Um, so so I, I tell that by way of, you know, you do have to think long and hard about who your customers are and the culture that they have before, you know, you, you start working on a project,
0: that is a great story and a super example of how important it is to do your research. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: The most important thing, I think, is building a network, um, a couple of types of networks. Build a network of your peers, um, people who are, are trying to grow in the same area as you, um, and also outside of your company. Um and with more senior people as well. And as you build your career, continue to do this. Um, you, You could be the best person at your job, but if nobody knows who you are and what you bring to the table, opportunities for advancement may just pass you by.
0: Well said, Tracy, and thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend time with you and soak up all the great advice and really practical tips you've shared. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure that our listeners have as well. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast, working globally through the pandemic and the outlook for global careers in a post-COVID-19 world. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global.